Deacon Carlos, how are you? Rudy, Rudy, doing great. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. It's such a wonderful opportunity to be back, to be back. Yes, a follow-up interview with you, finally. Are you used to hearing Deacon Carlos? I am not. I am not. It's been, what, three? Three, three? a little bit over three months. And when it's interesting, some people call me still Carlos. Others immediately say, oh, sorry, Deacon Carlos. (laughs) Others call me Carlitos. Because uh-huh. everyone called me Carlitos, uh-huh. and then now they call me Deacon Carlitos, which I love. So anyways, all over the place. You prefer Deacon Carlitos? I prefer whatever they feel to call me, really. But, okay. but I do understand that we are part of the clergy, uh-huh. so I do respect that they want to call me Deacon, and I do accept that uh-huh. with humility. But if they want to call me Deacon Carlitos, Deacon Carlos, I'm okay with that. And if somebody just calls you Carlos, absolutely, you're I'm fine here. with that I am as well. Fine. I am fine with that. Three and a half months. Three and a half months. You were one of our first guests on the show. I think it was episode eight, Herm was saying, episode eight of the podcast. It's been a while. It's been a while. We a were, lot of water under that bridge, believe me. <laughs> we were in the middle of uh, COVID at the time. That is correct. That we had you. We were at like far ends of the room before keeping everything, you know, trying to keep everybody safe. That is correct. How have you been? What have you been up to since, you know, since then? Well, since then, a lot of things, of course, since we talked, it was finishing the formation, right? Uh-huh. Finishing the formation to become a deacon during that very tough period for everyone. I think it was a, a be- beautiful lesson learned uh-huh. for me in my, in my ministry as a deacon. What is it to be a deacon is to be a servant, but to be a servant where the people are, not where I want them to be. Uh-huh. So a lot of people were struggling in their own circumstances. So I think it was, a, it was a wonderful opportunity to have in parallel my formation, my family, but also my pastoral care, right? Growing into that understanding that we are here to really look after the wounded, the, those in need. Um, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a great, as I said, experience for me. And I've been spending, you know, spending a lot of the time really making myself available, making myself available with words and actions. That's, um, and of course, after our talk and then the ordination and after the ordination, um, it is a different ball game, right? Uh-huh. Um, You're, you've it, been it, crazy busy, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> Which is, I always say, at work, I always say, be productively busy. Yes. Just don't be busy for the sake of being busy. Uh-huh. As a deacon, I am, if I'm not careful, I could be busy but I don't want to be busy. I want to be productively busy, meaning I want to be doing God's will. And for that, sometimes you have to say no. And yes. it's not in my DNA, ah. believe me. <laughs> but I have to say no so I can say yes to the things that the Lord wants me to say yes. Yeah, you did talk about that last time, how you had to say no to some things uh, for the sake of your diaconate formation. Now, during during COVID, because the last time we spoke to you was in like mid-2020, or late 2020 during, there was still a bunch of lockdowns and restrictions. Did you have to do like some of your formation online? Yes, yes. So most of it was online. So Zoom meetings. Zoom meeting. And then of course we, we had to be creative in how to bring the people together. Uh-huh. Because very important in the formation that you don't do in isolation, right? Yes. This is a church of community. Right? Yes. We're a community of faith. Yes. We are not here to be competing among each other, right? So how we help each other. Actually, due to information, we have a, a theme um, for, for a group of, of friends. We said, we need to get together, all of us together, to the end line. And we did it, which was great. 
But we had to keep reminding ourselves that because we don't see each other, we cannot judge and engage how is everyone doing because you are not there physically. Uh, yeah. You have to be proactive in the way you ask the question, right? And not only how you're doing, the general question you know, is asking a specific question. How's your wife doing? Uh, you got to take that extra step. Extra step. Because you're only talking to each other online. You're not chit-chatting on the way to the car or something like that. That's correct. Yeah, that, that's for that, tough. For right, Rudy, you need to know them personally. Mm-hmm. You cannot ask personal questions unless you know the person intimately, which is similar to Jesus, right? We cannot talk to him unless we know him personally. Yeah, The same yeah. happened to us. So being able to get to that point with, our, with my friend's information, I needed to really get the extra mile to know them, uh-huh. what, were, what was happening in their life, and for them to know what was happening in mine. So, Did anybody in your diaconate class say, hey, you know, I want to put this on pause until we can see each other in person? No. No. They said, we're still going through with this. That is correct. No matter what. The moment you realize what a true vocation is, meaning God's goal, uh-huh. then there's no option for that. Not on my side. When you do that, it's because you're doubting, which is good. Uh-huh. Because in the formation, you are discerning. Yes. Then you better pause, you reflect, uh-huh. slow down. But if, if that is not what is happening, then you go full speed at God's speed. You trust. How many were there in your class? There so, were, I mean, it was two masses. Yeah, it was ordination. 46. 46 in total. Um, we, we had to divide it in 23 and 22. Uh-huh. 22 because one of us was ordained earlier, personal circumstances, which uh-huh. uh, again happened. Uh-huh. But 46, that, that was a big, big class. And did you all meet on Zoom, like 46 little boxes or? Yeah, it depends, <laughs> right? For the Saturday formation class, yes. Uh-huh. Very small boxes, uh-huh. indeed. Uh, but the, the Wednesday, which are what we call the academic classes, uh-huh. we were separated in three groups. Okay. So my group, it was nine. And that's what we call the Spanish speaker group. So I okay. was in the Spanish speaking group, uh, which is wonderful because some of our our members, they would have struggled a little bit to go through this m- massive six years formation uh-huh. in not their native language. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, things come out in your native language just a little, you know, a little clearer. And it's two different things. One, your brain, yes. and the other one is your heart. Yeah. And I always say that, I mean, depending on your culture, right? But but some people pray from here, and that's okay because it makes sense to them. Yeah. But others pray from here. I am the one that pray from here. I could pray my, my our father in, in English, uh-huh. but it's not the same if I pray in Spanish mm-hmm. because I was a baby when I learned that. Yes. So I pray and I'm praying together with my grandma and I'm praying together with my, my brothers and my, you know what I mean? That's so, the way you were taught. That's yeah. Great. So that's, that, that's beautiful. That's awesome. What, what other obstacles did you have during your formation? Well, the, the one obstacle, which is always the case is it is a fight in your mind between balance and integration. When you start this, for, this formation, you believe that you need to balance your life. Balance uh-huh. work, balance family, balance ministry, balance formation. But later on, you understand that it's not about balancing, it's about integration. Balance means that almost like a competition, right? Okay. But integration, they need to be one. Ah. And they had to be one. Uh, so that was the probably biggest struggle, how to bring your family alone, uh-huh. your work alone, your ministry alone, classes alone and you because at the end of the day you are a human being Mm -hmm. i didn't want to be miserable going through classes and not having time for 
me, for me to enjoy, you know, all the beautiful things that I had around. So that integration, it took quite some time for me to understand, uh-huh. but it was beautiful the moment that I realized I was there. Let me tell you an example. When I was in a, a gathering with my friends, and then they immediately start asking questions about faith and church and life, uh-huh. right? Initially, it was like, well, you know, I'm in a, come on, I'm in a party, right? So we can talk about that uh-huh. another, another moment. Yeah. But then I realized, no, because that, that is their moment. That is their need. And ah, I am, really, yeah. today I am Deacon Carlos. Yeah. Today I'm Deacon Carlos talking to you. I am Deacon Carlos when I am at Mass, you know, assisting the Father. I am Deacon Carlos at work. I am in corporate uh, America, right? And, yes. And I actually made a decision to inform everyone that I was going to be ordained. I shared the link for live streaming uh-huh. to everyone. Said, I know we may not share the same faith, but this is me. And this is going to be me 24-7. I cannot separate Deacon Carlos from Carlos the moment I enter that workplace. I so can't. You're ordained, yeah. I'm ordained. You wake up in the morning, brush your teeth, you're Deacon Carlos. That's exactly right. And that <laughs> also took me a while to understand because sometimes they, with all respect, the false humility that we all want to put ourselves uh-huh. may try to to make you believe, no, 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 you 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 should not be, right? You, you know, bring it down, right? Try to, to shy away from that. No. I am Deacon Carlos. You have to embrace it. You have to embrace it. Mm. And that's beautiful because it was not my call. Uh-huh. It was God's call. Did I deserve that? That's not the point. God called me and said, yes, Lord. And after that beautiful moment with Cardinal Dinardo, you know, imposing his hands on my head, it happened. Wow. And I'm a deacon for life. Thanks that's be fantastic. to God. Wow. Does the weight of it, get to you sometimes, you look in the mirror and say, I can't believe I'm a deacon. I think that until the last day, the last breath, I will ask that question. I can't believe. Rudy, an experience. You know, as a Hispanic, every time that my daughter left the house, I gave her a blessing Uh as a dad. Yes. It was a blessing all the time. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. That day after it was ordained, and I did the same thing that I've been doing for life, uh-huh. it felt differently. Wow. Because I said, oh my gosh, this was a different blessing. Uh-huh. Because now I had that power of the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. So it was given to my daughter a special blessing. I couldn't believe it. And I told her, you know what happened at this moment? The same blessing is now united to that power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to believe it because now you're going to carry that. So do something great with that. So it is, it is now who, who we are, who I am as uh-huh. part of the clergy. Of course, it's a huge responsibility. Yes. Because now I'm not going to just be giving blessing to everyone. <laughs> like how about a buck here, $2 there, uh-huh. but, but really have it. Yeah. And I need to use it according to God's will. Speaking of your family, how did it, affect them? Do they feel like, oh boy, there's a lot of pressure on us now to, because my heart, or, you know, dad's deacon, my husband's a deacon or, you know. I think that's why the formation is so long and that's why the integration is so important mm-hmm. because we were together in this journey. 
it's not that that you know February 18 the day after my ordination now suddenly things changed no we were we were getting ready for this moment uh-huh um so I don't think that's that's different in that regard on the contrary there's a lot of support from them because the reality is there's need a lot of need right mm-hmm. uh Deacon Carlos I need uh do we have time for a talk or, you know, with my daughter, with me, with my spouse, or a blessing of the house or a blessing of a new, uh, you know, uh, office that we're opening or baptism? There's a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. But because of the integration, right, then I need to find a way to make sure that the decisions I make, we made it to that, together. We make decisions together. And again, Rudy, sometimes it's no. Especially when there's not an emergency, right? There's actually someone that really want me, uh-huh. doesn't need me. Anyone could actually do it, but you know, I want Deacon Carlos because I know Deacon Carlos. Well, you know, we all need to work together because yeah. the need it, it needs to be fulfilled by the church, and all of us are part of the church. Yeah, it's so, a team effort. It is a team effort. Yes, a lot of the permanent uh, deacons that have come on the show have talked about how how strict they were during the formation, you know, the, the, the formators, how they were very critical. Did you get that kind of criticism as well? Did you feel like they, it was super tough on you? I did. And I appreciate it from, from day one, because this was not a joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was going to be ordained as a deacon. I mean, Catholic deacon, permanent deacon. Yes. I wanted to be the best deacon that God wanted me to be. I don't think the formation was meant to be anything different than what we're doing today. So I'm an engineer when I was doing my internship, right? What do you think? I was going to be doing things differently? No, Uh I was doing things that I was going to be facing after the graduation. So I didn't expect anything less. We could talk about, you know, flexibility. Absolutely. But it's part of the formation. It's part of understanding your call in your role. So even though it was it was strict and it was tough, especially in that integration message that I mentioned uh-huh. to you. Yeah. But I, I fully understood. You welcomed it. I welcomed it. And I and I embraced it. I was not fighting against that. And sometimes it actually went against some of the decisions that I made, but it was okay. For example, you know, I, I traveled for work and if uh-huh. I had to travel for work and I couldn't cancel that and it was one of those days that you had to be a formation day. I knew it was going to be not appreciated by the team, yeah. but I had to be transparent and say, yeah. this is work and I cannot cancel this. Mm-hmm. So it, they had to be like that because as I said, this is not me. I am now part of the clergy. I am a representative of the church. So we need to make sure that we do protect the church. Do a lot of the guys, you know, um, going through formation back out late into the, the process? I don't think a lot. Um, uh-huh. Probably in, from the beginning, yeah, a good, good number. It could be probably 20, 30% or so, maybe more. Okay. And not only their decision, also the formation team, it's both parties, right? Okay. Everyone is evaluating, everyone is right evaluating everyone. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, yeah. you are a servant, but this is not your call. Yeah. Uh, um, but after, Probably year four or so, most of us were committed. So it's very rare that somebody later on. Yeah, it happens. Uh-huh. And I do value that a lot. Because when someone 
does that and you know that they are very passionate about this, yeah. it's because they're really asking the Lord, is this what you want? Yeah. Is this what you want? And you really need to have humility to do that. Because let's face it, your family, your friends, everyone knows yeah. that you're in the formation. <laughs> yes. And then suddenly you are not. What happened? Yeah. And that's a, it's kind of embarrassing. It it's, is. You know, it's a tough conversation to have, but that's what the Lord calls. And it, yeah, that must be very tough to back out that late. And people are probably already calling them deacon. You oh, know, yeah. jokingly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a that's tough. It is tough. But uh, but I feel that this is part of this journey, right? It's mm -hmm. a discerning until the last second, until you really are there at that ordination day, and you accept that, mm -hmm. and then you received it. A second before that, you can always say, you know what? No, I'm doubting. This might not be. Just that's fine. Pause it because it's a sacrament yes. and it's a character sacrament, meaning sacrament for life. Mm -hmm. Did you at any point think about backing out? No, I, I, I thought many times how, how it was possible that I was there with all the obstacles that I had, right? With the busy work, with the young family, all those things. But I, I never thought I'm gonna quit. I oh. never felt that, I don't know that message from the Lord saying, this might not be, never. So it was, I was a hundred percent in from day one and every day, every day was surprised that it was another day information, right? Meaning, wow, this is real. It's, it's the Lord's, it's the Lord who's calling me. Tell us about your ordination date. Well, that day is, it's an amazing day, Rudy. It's an amazing day because it takes time sacrifices and effort together. So I'm not gonna lie to you. But that day, knowing that you're gonna be changed forever, it means a lot. Mm. That that moment, so during the ordination day, there are a few things that happened, but for me, probably two moments that were the most re remarkable throughout the rite of the ordination as a permanent deacon. One is when you face down, horizontal, on the floor. Yeah. And it's, and it's a way to show, this is me compared with you, Lord. This is the lowest that I can get. So uh -huh. you, could, you could shine. That is your light and not mine. So that moment when I'm facing down and, and all the um, you know, intercessions and the music, and I'm thinking, remind me, Lord, please, that this is my level. I am a deacon, meaning an expert washing feet. Please keep me at this level. Because the moment I start elevating, then I, I lose completely my purpose. Oh. So that was the first one. And the second one is the moment that the bishop, or Cardinal Dinaro in this case, put his hands over you, over your head, and you know it's happening. I'm not gonna tell you, you know, I felt a special force and electricity. No, but I knew it. You knew the moment itself. I knew it. Yeah. This is the beauty of a sacrament. When you go to Eucharist, I've had thousands of them. Have I felt electricity and, and fear of tears every time? No, but I know it's there. So I knew the Holy Spirit at that moment was going to put a, a mark for life on me. And I was beautiful. Did you wake up in that morning and think, oh my gosh, I'm 
be a deacon today. Oh, yeah. I think that every day, you know, approaching that day, you are thinking that I'm going to be a deacon. I'm going to be a deacon. Wow. Because I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know. I didn't know any deacon before this. So I don't have friends that are deacon. Uh-huh. My family. It's not that I'm surrounded by deacons. So it's, I was used to it. I was not used to this. In Venezuela, I didn't grow up With knowing deacons, uh-huh. the diaconate as yeah. part of the clergy. Yeah. So yeah, every, every day was a surprise for me. So that day, I don't think I was nervous. I was grateful. I was grateful. I enjoyed that moment, Rudy. You just soaked it all in. So yeah, I said, please put this memory for me in me for life. So I remember this day, that this day was you calling me. It was all about you, Lord, and me saying yes to that call. So it was amazing. It's a beautiful moment. Now, before the ordinations, because I've, I've been to a couple of them, and you know, there's that moment where you're kind of standing lined up before you know processing in. Is there anything that you and the other, you know, the other guys said to each other? Was there a look? Was there a nod? We were having fun. We were having fun. I mean, it was like all the sacrifices and suffering were in the past. Uh-huh. We knew the, the best part was coming, absolutely. But that day we were having fun. We were making jokes to each other. We were, you know, hugging each other. It was a joy. So, no, uh, as I said, some of us got there a little bit nervous, but immediately we realized, you know what? We did it. This is it. We're this here. This is it. We're here. <laughs> so let's have fun. Let's enjoy this moment. What about your family? Oh, well, they, it, they were very, um, very proud. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. They were very proud. And, they, and, and you could see in their faces, especially something, um, Rudy, that, that happened that day, and they didn't know that. Uh, I was told the week before that I was going to be serving as the deacon at the altar. Yes. Which you don't get prepared for that. What an honor. You don't get prepared for that. The first time that you're going to act as a permanent deacon at mass with Cardinal Dinaro. My gosh. And I didn't mention that. So it was beautiful. Oh, it was a surprise to your family. It was beautiful to see friends and family. you, oh my goodness. Some of them didn't know what happened. They said, how do you end there? (laughs) And they thought that I was smart enough that, you know, I made a move and okay, I made it here first. You kind of elbowed other guys out of the way. (laughs) The Venezuelan way. But now, I mean, they were not expecting that. So it was, it was beautiful to, to be able to share with them such a joy. Of course, at that moment, you are really representing the group. That, yeah. that, that's what's happening. But in reality, in the picture, it's only my face, which is, which is reality. So I told them, you know, I didn't want you to know because I wanted to enjoy this moment. And I also wanted to enjoy that moment. How did they decide that it was you? You know, I just passed a little bit of money under the table. <laughs> <laughs> I should not say this here, but... Uh, <laughs> No, it's a group, right? The formation team, they get together Uh and they almost vote. They nominate some people and they make their own choices, right? Uh Of course, they may have the criteria for that. And and the criteria might be, you know, someone that was uh, always there for the other group or someone that that really represented the diagonal. You know, many things. Or somebody who everybody knows or something like that. Yeah, many many things that they used. But you are not part of the discussion whatsoever. Okay. You are informed. Of course, so you could just, say no. 
you could say no and say, no, 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 no way. Uh-huh. Because you might be very nervous to take the challenge. Yeah, you'll be shaking. <laughs> you know, the precious blood of Jesus Christ on the, on, on the altar, that first mass. Uh-huh. That might be the end of your diaconate if you do that. But, so, but they tell you, they inform you. I said, you know, you've been selected to be either the deacon, the deacon of the altar or the deacon of the word. So uh-huh. one of the two. Yeah. And, and I was the deacon of the altar. And Father Dad didn't know that. Oh, just, to, just to tell you, just to give an example. Oh, wow. Father Dad was sitting next to, to me on the and said, what's going on? I mean, you could see in his face, <laughs> he didn't expect that. I got to go back to the live stream to take a look at that. Yeah, so it was... I amazing. did remember taking some screenshots of that. I was like, I can't believe it. Yeah. Speaking Carlos, he's doing it. He's, uh, I, what does it feel like at that moment? That you told, you asked me about responsibility. Yes. That was a responsibility right there. Mm. Because Rudy, you had, first of all, you had 46 shoulders on you or 46 bodies on you. All your, your classmates, uh-huh. they are in, right there with you. You are representing them. Yes. Then you are representing all the deacons, you know, from the beginning till the end, right there with you. Uh-huh. My family, right there in front of me. So absolutely, I mean, I am not someone that is easily nervous because I try to enjoy the moment. I try to live the present moment. And I think you're nervous when you are worried about the tomorrow. But if you really enjoy the present moment, then why getting nervous about, right? Mm-hmm. This is the moment. But that was different. It was the moment where I felt all that pressure on my shoulders. Wow. And being so close, Rudy, to the transubstantiation. Yes. When that is happening, when Jesus is talking, right? So it's the Cardinal in Persona Christi talking. So God works making that happen and you are there and you are seeing it. It, it, I have not experienced that. And, and of course, every Eucharist is the same, but because it was the first one, yeah. almost like I started this journey that day to understand how grateful, and that's what I said, I am grateful, how grateful I am that I am part of that miracle, biggest miracle in my life. It happens every time that I'm at Mass and I'm vested as a deacon and I'm right there. And not only that, then they pass to you that chalice with the precious blood and you elevate that. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Did the the deacon who was chosen for the word, did he say anything to you about being selected? Yeah, we talked to each other and said, well, you know how wonderful that is. <laughs> Can you believe that? He He cried. He cried a lot. You could see that during oh, the ceremony, during, yeah, during the rite. Um, he, he, I probably felt that pressure as I, as I did, but uh, he was soaking every second, right, of that, of that moment. Of course, the deacon of the word at that particular time is not much that you do, right? You offer the peace and then you descend, right? Uh-huh. So the masses end and go in peace, uh, but you don't preach the gospel. Yes. Because the gospel is, is preached before we really get ordained, right? Yes. So, so he felt a little bit less pressure, but because you were there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But still, I mean, your voice could get shaky. You could stumble. You can forget the words. Could... <laughs> Believe me. It's so easy to forget the words. Yeah. So, I mean, you could get lost in the, you know, in, in, overwhelmed. 
Which is very reasonable, right? I mean, yeah. you Cons are overwhelmed. Considering the moment, yeah. You are overwhelmed. But, but, it, but really what I wanted to, to show, I mean, almost the world, the beauty of what was happening there, Rudy. The beauty. Because, some, yes, the truth, it, I mean, the grace was, was happening, right? It, it, and people couldn't see it, but the beauty of that celebration I invited, as I mentioned to you, colleagues yeah. that, that we don't profess the faith. Most of them virtually, right? They were all over the world. Yeah. And they didn't know what was happening, but all of them, all of them without exception said, how beautiful this was. Oh. It was so solemn. It was like I was in a special place. Mm -hmm. And I said, you were. Heaven and earth were together. That's what happened at mass. Heaven and earth worked together, and you were part of that. Did you have any relatives come in from, you know, from other countries or uh, out of town? No, my mom. My mom was the only one, and she she was she was staying with here uh, with me here. So no, 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 my brothers or or others that could 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 fly couldn't they couldn't fly to uh, to come here. What did your mom say? She couldn't say a word. She was so so shocked. And, and enjoying, and, and you could see in that face, I mean, she was wearing her, her max, mask, she still wear that mask, but you could see behind that mask, uh -huh. the beautiful smile. Oh, that's fantastic. She was enjoying that moment. And, and she always said the, um, the story, I'm the youngest of five. Uh, I, I mentioned that in the first um, interview. I'm the youngest of five. So every time she had a, a, a son, by the way, all boys, she went to church and offered them, offered, asked to the Lord, said, Lord, if you need a priest, Right here, I'm uh -huh. giving it to you. Uh -huh. First, second, third, fourth, fifth. So we all got married. <laughs> so she was like, okay, this is it. Clearly you had a different choice. Zero for five with yeah. the priests. Yeah. <laughs> but then she mentioned to me that that memory came back oh. when she was seeing me being ordained. Uh -huh. I said, I get it. You had a different plan. It was not meant to be a priest, but to be a deacon. And now my brother, the middle one, uh -huh. is actually in the formation to become a deacon in Florida. So oh. now we're gonna have two deacons in the family. So that's fantastic. Then my mom feels very, very grateful to uh, to be part of this, right? To to enjoy this moment. Yeah, what a gift. Yeah, that's something else. Now, if, after your you know ordination, you start getting to work. You've continued with your prison ministry, right? How's that been? So first, um, let me share this uh, beautiful story. The next Monday, going to prison, right? Uh -huh. As a deacon. I went there. They were all waiting for me. It was beautiful. It, it, it's <laughs> so amazing. they knew? They knew. They knew. And, and it was beautiful, right? So I went there and I took my ordination stall uh -huh. with me. Didn't, I didn't show it to them. So we had the session, all celebration, congratulations. And then at the end I said, now I'm going to give you a blessing. So I wore this stole uh -huh. and I gave them a blessing. It was so powerful, Rudy. Oh, wow. Almost like tears because wow. we've been together for forever, right? For, I don't know, five years or six years that I've been going there. Uh -huh. And they, they, they were with me during this journey, right? And that day, that Monday that I was able to share that blessing that I uh -huh. mentioned to you that doesn't belong to me, but I'm an, I'm an instrument. Yeah, sharing that with them and, and, and being able to say, you are actually sharing with me a little bit of that ordination day because this is the ordination stall. Wow. I wanted you to see it and I wanted you to experience with me that first day 
in this social ministry. It was unbelievable. Is this the staff or prisoners as well? Prisoners. No, this is inmates. This is prisoners. Oh, all the inmates. And they were able to enjoy that with you. They were able to enjoy That's that with me. That's wonderful. And I wanted them to enjoy that uh -huh. with me. Because, again, this is our ministry. This yeah. is what to be a deacon is. Yeah. You, a deacon is right there where, where the need is, right? Where those wounded are. And they are. Yeah. So where else if not there with them? So that was that was beautiful. So that ministry continues. So I continue uh -huh. going there. Then, of course, masses is part of what we do, right? Yes. So we serve as, as deacon. Um, depending Did you deacon. do a, a, a bit of a tour of masses to different yes, parishes so. that you've... No, well, we did that before to really see how the parishes did uh, the liturgy a little bit different. Okay. Hopefully not deviating from... Of course. The the most. Yes. But but every parish, they they have their unique way. Okay. I mean, without deviating, as I said, from, from the yeah. rubric. But every parish had the unique way. So... I think that the tour that I've been doing or we've been doing as new uh, deacons is the different masses in our parish. The 7 a.m., the 8.30, the 5 p.m. on Saturday, because they are different as well. Slightly different, yeah. They are a little bit different. The choir is different. Yes. The people are different. Mm -hmm. So you, almost like you need to know your crowd. You need to know your people. Yeah. Because part of being a deacon, you also preach, right? Yeah. We don't we preach once per month. That's basically what we do at San Faustina. But we, we we are given the faculty to preach, right? Yes. And in ordination. So when you're preaching, then you need to know which mass am I preaching? Am I preaching to the Spanish mass? To the youth mass? Uh, or which one it is. So yeah. you can bring the message that in essence doesn't change, but the way you deliver it changes. Yes. So yeah, we've been rotating that as well. Baptism, ah, that's the other thing I wanted to mention. How did it feel the first time doing baptism? Well, let me tell you how beautiful, I mean, God is, is amazing. He's amazing with me. My first baptism, it was a child, a special child. It was a private baptism. Okay. Because he, he had to be, everyone wore, wore masks. He was connected to oxygen. Oh, wow. So my first baptism, it was not with 13 or 14 kids. It was yeah. with one Oh, child. this is a lot more intimate. Oh, wow. That happened. So I won't ever forget that that one baptism, that child. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was so oh. touchy for me. Did you cry? I would have cried. Remember oh what I said? Oh, my gosh. And this is the other thing. When you are in a ministry, uh -huh. you, you are not Rudy. Yeah. And I experienced this many, many years ago because I do healing ministry, right? Okay. So I do the Unbound. Yes. And my wife would always ask, how can you, you know, have the conversation with someone is devastated? And keep it together. And keep it together because then I said, it's not me. And ah. you know it's not me. I mean, I'm watching a movie and it's emotional and you see me. But right there, uh -huh. no, no tears. It's because it's the Holy Spirit that is taking every molecule of your body. You, you have no space for that. No uh -huh. space. After that, you may get it. Yeah. But not at that moment. So I enjoyed it. It was beautiful. Interesting. This next day, someone asked me to come and bless a book. Okay. So there were, she was actually um, promoting that book and she said, and she's very Catholic. She said, I would like to get this, this book blessed. And so I asked, what is it about? Is it, you know, according to the Catholic Church? Very, very well written and and it was about, guess what? Autism. So it's like, Lord, 
Second day in a row. First one, a child with special needs. Second one is a book about autism and the parents and the kids. So by Sunday, I really felt I want to be that deacon, Rudy. I want to be the deacon of those that are excluded, if I can use that word. Or marginalized. Or marginalized. I don't want to be the deacon of the picture. I want to be the deacon that is behind the scene seeking yeah. for those who have been rejected yeah. and are alone and are not part of the numbers. So I, I felt that message quite strong. That, that means a lot to me personally as a special education teacher. That, that means a lot. And, and I can tell you that since the, those very two, first two days, almost like my eyes opened, uh-huh. almost like a special sensor, yeah. To what's happening, where might be a need, it, it's unbelievable. Oh, you're more sensitive to those types of things after that, after those two experiences. That is correct. And, wow. and I'm very open to reach uh-huh. out, to go to them, to meet them where they are and, and be available to them. Especially when it comes to sacraments, because I know what that means. I know yeah. what it brings to them. Yes. Um, so... Then of course, bap, you know, after that is baptism. I do the, um, you know, we do baptism once per per month here in, in uh, well, San Faustina, and uh, we do English and Spanish. So I almost like now the deacon for the Spanish baptism, right? Uh-huh. And I do the classes as well, which is very important. Baptism classes. I always say this: that is the great opportunity to evangelize. Yes. Baptism, right? For sure. Because a lot of friends and family come. Yes. They may, may not be Catholic. That's the moment where you share the treasure of this Catholic faith, right? This is not faith. This is not something that I learned. It is real. But in the classes, you and you have the couple, one of them is Catholic, the other one is just joining. Uh-huh. What a wonderful opportunity to share with them. And I always tell them to share with them why I am a deacon. Because I had to say yes. Yes, the Lord called me, but I had to say yes. Meaning, I, I, told, I, I always tell them this, I believe in what I'm doing. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this. Uh-huh. Honestly, on a Monday evening, I would prefer to be at home watching an NBA game. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a human being. Yeah. But I'm there teaching a baptism class because I believe what happened in there. And that's what I try to focus, to focus on the reality Let's step away from the bullet points and the, you know, the basic things. No, 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 this is real. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this. Uh-huh. So, and you see in their faces, at least like the doubt, like, this makes sense. This start to make sense. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm a big believer, uh, Rudy, that we need to use the gifts that God gave us. And one of them is wisdom, understanding, and reason. Mm-hmm. We should not disconnect them from faith. Yeah. Sometimes we try to do that. Yeah. And we end dumbing, dumbing down our faith. We step away from the tough questions. I don't want to step away from the tough questions. I want to embrace that together. Yeah. And I tell the youth, if you have a tough questions, let's talk about it. Yeah. Because believe me, the church has been fighting those questions for 2000 years. Yes. We have them. Let's find them together. Don't go away with a, and, and no as an answer. No, you need an answer. Let's find it. I may not know it, which is okay. I only spent six years in the, in the, diacon, in, in the diacon information. No, 2,000 years. But we have a church that has spent over 2,000 years, you know, seeking for those answers. 
Uh-huh. And God has been revealing, right, that that truth to us. So this is a journey. What I'm saying to you is I didn't start the diaconate information with this in mind. I thought it was all about, well, you know, being a deacon is to be to be there at Mass, to be helping, you know, with some of the sacraments. I, but really, I think that we can get into the roots of the, the problems and the situation of the families, right? The kids, our kids, we're losing them. Why? Because we're not giving them answers. Yeah. And they are seeking answers. Yeah. The, we're avoiding those tough we're questions. We're avoiding those tough questions. I yeah. don't want to avoid the tough questions. Yeah. I want to embrace them together. Yeah. And... And again, and I always tell this to my daughter and all this, I said, if I am wrong, I want to know because I want the truth as well. Yeah. I am in the Catholic church. I am a permanent Catholic deacon because I found the truth. If someone comes to me and prove me wrong, believe me, I would say, absolutely. I want the truth. Mm-hmm. It's been 2000 years, Rudy. <laughs> they've been trying to prove wrong the Catholic church. Yes. I always say this, and it's not me, right? You can read it, it's God hand and all this. This would be the best lie ever if it can sustain 2,000 years of attacks. So do not step away from that, the reality. And, and, and that's probably the, the one thing I want to say. As a deacon, I want to be reachable. I want to be real. I want the people to see Carlos as the Carlos that, you know, had a, a childhood as they had, had problems as they ha- they're having right now. Mm-hmm. He's having a wife and a kid and, and work. I am facing the same challenges. Yes. But I made a decision and it's to say yes to God. And I know that decision will bring some challenges because sometimes I won't, I wouldn't, I won't understand what's going on or why, but I trust. Now for people who don't understand you know, the duties or responsibilities of a permanent deacon. All right. So we talked about baptism. We talked about, you know, celebration of the, of the mass. Um, and you talked also about blessing. What, what other, you know, marriage, marriage. Yes. So that's, so out of the sacraments, sacraments wise is baptism and marriage. Okay. So even though I, I assist at Mass as a deacon, yes. but we don't celebrate Mass. Yes. We don't co-celebrate con- Mass. That's ah, priests. Yes. We assist, assist at Mass. Yes. Correct. Okay. So um, that's a responsibility. That's a responsibility. So the, the two sacraments that you mentioned and then assisting at Mass, what else do we have? Then the vigils and funerals. Okay. That is something that deacon would do quite a bit, right? Help in that, in that space, which is a very important one. It's a very important... Pastoral ministry, you know, remember what I said, find them where they are. Yes. Go and reach them. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that is a place. Because that, you, you know that I said the questions, those are the moments where people are asking questions. Oh uh, yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? True questions. We should not tell them, don't ask that question. Ask the question. Absolutely. We may not get the answer. But it's your dad. It's your father. Ask God. Talk to him. Yeah. Why did they die? Why did that's the yeah. best prayer? Mm-hmm. A conversation with God. Mm-hmm. Would you not tell them how to pray? Mm-hmm. Let them talk to God, but be there. That's what we are. Then what else aside from uh... then and then of course the ministry that you have the okay. social ministry. Yes. So and they are assigned. They assign to you a social ministry. So the the day you are ordained, you get a letter with the faculties that you have, uh-huh. which again, these, the two sacraments, what you can and cannot do at mass, right? Uh-huh. So at mass, even though you assist, 
you are responsible for the chalice, which is beautiful. Uh-huh. You preach the, uh, sorry, you read or proclaim the gospel. Uh-huh. If, you know, allowed by the priest, then you also preach. As uh-huh. I said, in San Faustina, we preach once per month. So that's basically what happened. And then you said the altar and those type of things, right? So that, that, that happened there. Besides that, as a deacon, you also talk to families, talk to parishioners. They come to you with, again, questions because you are a husband, you are a dad, yeah. you also work. And the priests, they have a wonderful responsibility over thousands of families, right? Yeah. But they, they, have, they have not experienced what a deacon has experienced when it comes to a family. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's a, it's a beautiful team effort between yes. the priest and the deacons. Yes. That happened in San Faustina, <clears throat> that you see Father Dad or Father Christopher talking to families and then saying, go and talk to deacon. Because they could bring a different perspective yes. of this particular family-related topic. That, that takes a lot of time. Um, talking to to family. So actually when you put all them together, the week only have seven days. Uh-huh. So it's not like you have <laughs> you have too, <laughs> too much of free time, right? Yeah. But you need to be very careful, um, Rudy, that this is not about volume. This is not about numbers, right? Uh-huh. That's the other thing that I believe that sometimes we we are counting. We're counting. This is not a number exercise. This is soul. These are souls. And one soul value Christ blood one yeah so we don't need to be in that urgency of you know oh no how many how many about tips do you have I have uh, 1200 one is big enough because one was the door to heaven you see mm-hmm. what I mean so yeah. and that's the other challenge that we uh, that we face sometimes is we, we want to be famous <laughs> you know um, uh, I've been doing so much now. Actually, the less people know, the better, right? Do it, but behind the scene. I so, mean, St. Faustina is a, it's a big parish. Even though the building is small, we do a lot of masses because we serve a lot of people. And, you know, it, it must be tough, you know, with all that responsibility spread out, you know, trying to, trying to make sure everybody's taken care of, huh? The beauty in San Faustina, and I'm sure that happens in all the uh, par- parishes as well, is the brotherhood among the deacons. And I'm gonna make it famous here, but uh, we call the five deacons of Faustina the Fab Five. Uh. <laughs> we work together. Uh-huh. We, we are brothers. We, we care for each other, right? Uh, we cover each other. And, and if someone cannot uh, assist and I schedule mass for personal reasons, then we are there. Uh-huh. And, and in general, right? So that's very important that we see each other as a family. Because otherwise you cannot serve, I don't know how many families we have right now, I think 6,000, over 6,000 families in San Faustina. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And so we need to help each other. And that's what we're trying to do. And of course, we are, you know, a team supporting the priest, you know, the priests. Yes. In this case, Father Dad and Father Christopher. We are there to provide the help that they, they need, the support that they need, because there's so much yeah. going on. So we have... That, I think that that's a that's a good problem to have. That is that we have so many families in San Faustina. Yes, and we have so many youth in San Faustina. Oh yeah, that's a beautiful problem to have. Yes, that we don't have space to teach them. That's an awesome problem. Others they have plenty of space, 
no souls come into. Yeah. We do have the opposite. So that's the other thing that I'm grateful, right? That the Lord has given me the opportunity to be a San Faustina church where it is the center of the divine mercy, right? Mm-hmm. And I was telling you that that's my call. My call is to be out there in the field. I don't want to be behind a desk. I want to be in the field where where the wounded are, right? And that's San Faustina. Um, and I'm also grateful because in San Faustina, the Hispanic community is growing really fast, especially those close to my heart, the Venezuelan. So I, I'm, it's easy for me to relate to them uh-huh. because I am Venezuelan. So I know the situation of the country. Almost like an, I can skip that part and say, I know all of that. Let's, let's talk about you. Let's talk about you and your family, your particular problem. You don't need to explain the situation to yeah. me because I know it. Yeah. I, I've lived that myself. You know the culture. You, yeah. That's the awesome thing about having, you know, deacons from different walks of life, yeah. you know, different cultures. They, you know, because, you know, you, you can only have so many priests. So if you have that many deacons, they can understand the culture in the background. They don't have to learn it when they, you know, when they talk to, per, uh, you know, certain people, and different they, cultures. And then we educate each other. We, as I mm. said, the, the brotherhood, right? Yeah. So the Filipino with the Hispanic, with the, so we help each other to understand the culture. Yeah. Because we need to grow together. That's, that, that is a must, uh-huh. right? We, we cannot pretend to be the same deacons in 2023 and then in 2033. No, we need to be better and better, not for us, but for God. Right? We need to be the best deacon that God wants us to be in whatever shape and form. Some may be very good preachers, or they might be very good at classes, or they might be very good at service, whatever that is. But let's be, let's be the real instrument, right? Looking ahead, that's what you're looking at. Just continuing to grow, continuing to serve at St. Faustina. Not at St. Faustina, at the Catholic Church. In that's, general. Because that's the other thing, right? You get ordained not for not to serve a parish. Uh-huh. You you get ordained to serve the universal church. That's a reality. So that's what I look ahead. I look ahead to continue serving the universal church. And and if you ask me, it's in that beautiful challenge in my mind of bringing together reason and faith. Reason and faith. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I I'm I'm a big believer in in. In that, you know, in the way, you know, um, St. Thomas of, of Aquinas, right? Yes. He, he told us how beautiful it is to use the gift of that reason with that, you know, response to that revelation of God in faith together. And, I, and, I, and I'm a big believer of the, when it doesn't make sense, something is not right. Mm. If it doesn't make sense, something is not right. Yeah. And, I, and, and there's, a, there, there's a phrase that we say in English, right? Nowadays, common sense is not that common anymore, unfortunately, oh, because yeah. we almost left common sense out of the room. Mm-hmm. No, let's bring it back. It has to make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, let's find why. Because faith and logic should not fight. Yes. They are find, they're trying to find the same truth. Yes. Because the truth is only one, and it's God. Right? And when you see the stair, right? If you see a ladder, the closer you are to the truth, the closer the two are to each other. Faith and reason, yes. Faith and reason. If you start at the bottom, yeah, they're very separate. But the, the closer you are to that very truth, then the closer are the two. So that's something that I really want to do. I really want to continue helping, especially the, the, the generation that is coming. Very smart, Woody. 
because uh, they have access to information. To everything, yeah. Ex access to everything, which is yeah. a challenge, but it's a beautiful opportunity. Yeah. So I want to be there when they have those tough questions to find the answers together. Yeah, you and I, we didn't grow up with a library in our pocket. With a, <laughs> otherwise, access. what a big pocket would have been. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah, that's a big thing. What advice do you have to somebody who is thinking about entering the diaconate and thinking about, you know, oh, maybe I'm called to this or who may be even doubting themselves. I think the, my answer is this, give it a shot because it's a discerning. This is a discerning process. If your discerning takes a week, okay. If it takes a year, okay. If it takes a day before the nation, okay. Give it a shot, go in. Go into that information night, listen what they have to offer, ask all the deacons. And, and if you have the support from, from your, your pastor, go in, register yourself. I'm going to promise something. Even if you quit or you are taken out, you're going to learn a ton. And if you are feeling or thinking to become a deacon, it's because you are already serving. You're already mm -hmm. active in the church. You're where you're supposed to be. You are where you're supposed to be. So I don't have any doubt. So, which means that if you get in and after two years, you feel like this is not my call, whatever you learn, you're going to use it. Oh yeah. So give it a shot. Don't give yourself a no as an answer. No. Go ask the question by being right there where the things happen, right? Because you will never know unless you try and, and I'm very practical, Rudy. I mean, yeah, you could say, you know, go in your room and start praying, Lord, give me an answer. I don't think God is going to give you a text or WhatsApp message, right? So sometimes the answer is by making that decision yourself and going there where deformation is happening. And then you will see, then you will get your answer. Probably the answer is no, and that is okay. So that would be my best uh, advice to anyone that is thinking to become a deacon. If he's thinking, I, you know, first of all, thank you for thinking to become a deacon. Uh -huh. That's wonderful. Second is don't, don't be shy, you know, go and seek for that answer. Thank you so much, Deacon Carlos. I can't believe it. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Rudy. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate this opportunity. And, and if this interview helps, uh, to people to realize, you know, that God has a beautiful plan for each one of us, uh -huh. but that plan is not individual. Each one of us, we are called to be disciples of Christ, which means that we belong to them, but we have a mission. And that mission is to go out, go, go and evangelize, baptize them, show them what I've, what I told you. That's what we all need to do in different shape and forms and different, um, ministries and different uh, responsibilities and roles, mm -hmm. but we all need to say yes to that call. One last question I forgot to ask earlier. Have you had the opportunity to go back to Venezuela and serve at a mass there? No, 2016 was my last, my last visit in Venezuela. I have not uh -huh. been there, but what is going to happen? This is beautiful. I'm going to go tomorrow. So we're, we're, we're having this conversation uh -huh. today and I'm going to go to Florida where my parents live, my brother lived, this brother that is actually oh, yes. in the formation. So because I was going to go to visit my dad, my brother asked the pastor of the church, said, uh -huh. my brother Deacon is going to be here. He said, 
I would love to have your brother Deacon to preach, oh. especially because he's in Spanish. And he said, that will be my day off. I don't need to, I don't need to prepare that homily. And I said, I would love to. So how wonderful is gonna be, it's gonna be for me to go back to that parish that I've been going, yeah. I don't know, for the last 10 years or so, but now as a deacon, to be preaching to the Hispanic community, to be there with my family, that's gonna be very, very meaningful. And that's, that in a way connect to what I say to you that my future or my desire is to continue serving the universal church. Yes. That's an example. Mm. That is not San Faustina, that is Sacred Heart in a very small parish in St. Petersburg, Florida. Beautiful. Because yeah. it's about that one soul that I mentioned to you, that one soul uh-huh. that is right there that needs to hear this message. That's it, Lord, put me there. What parish is that? It's sac- that's Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart in St. Petersburg. That's Pinellas Park, actually, Pinellas Park, Florida. But that's St. Petersburg area, Tampa area. Yeah. So I'm telling you, it's tomorrow. So I, I, that's I'm fantastic. super excited. I'm oh, super well, excited. you enjoy your trip. Let me tell you what the, uh, you know, the beautiful passage, it's, uh, it's going to be, so God loves so much the world. Ah. <laughs> John 3, 16. So anyone that is listening to me, yeah. if, you know, the whole scripture disappear and we're able to, you were able to keep John 3, 16. Uh, yeah. That's it. That is the plan of salvation of God. The gospel is resumed there. And we need to live it. We need to believe it. And we need to show it to others. Thank you so much again. God bless you. Thank you, Brody.